0: Welcome to Soundcheck Flicks, coming to you live from the Casbah, or as live as it can be. Uh, we've got some great shows coming up really quickly at the Casbah. Tuesday the 19th, more fatter. Wednesday the 20th, it's the Wednesday Night Ramble with Kimmy Bitter, Sleepy Pearls, Francis Bloom. Thursday the 21st, well, 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 Christmas Spectacular. That's going to be fun. Friday the 22nd, the Cure Christmas Dance Party. Uh, an upcoming guest for us uh, on Saturday the 23rd, Elvez Mexmas Show with Chalky and Lion Cut, the return of Lion Cut, and, of course, Christmas Eve, uh, the return of the legendary Exile on Kettner Boulevard. I actually like that. I want to keep that at the end of of that. But we're excited to have Tatiana Mack to discuss the legendary film, which has two different endings I've discovered just recently, Little Shop of Horrors, 1986 film directed by Frank Oz. But Graham is here first. I do have to say hello to him. It's so nice to see you, man. Thanks for delivering movies directly to my house. (laughs) Better service than Blockbuster ever offered. I'm like Netflix with a car. Yeah,
1: amazing. Just drive it right over as soon as you call me.
0: Well, it's been a busy few days with our guests. I've had to catch up on a few films. So I've watched uh, Wild Style, Little Shop of Horrors, and Santa Claus versus versus the Devil. Versus the Devil. And I cried at the end of that one. So I'm really excited to discuss that one with Elvez coming up. But we do have Tatiana Mac here of legendary punk rock band Already. Do you call yourself a punk rock band? The Poison Hearts AC? Uh
2: for ease like for ease of communication. Yes, we call ourselves a punk band. But um I think that maybe Toothless George has wants me to add like a few more words, a few more Please qualifiers to that. Too. He wants it to, like me to say like big band punk rock, punk rock with horns, but just a good old rock and roll band.
0: Yeah, it's like a rock and <laughs> roll review, definitely punkish and uh the energy and effort you guys put into that band is phenomenal. Um uh, Toothless George is such a great addition to our community moving here from Philadelphia, I don't know how many years ago, but he definitely takes the true punk rock DIY ethic to heart and continues to you know, stand out in front of venues and pass out flyers and um, really just goes all over the city to do that and promote shows. So I'm always happy to book him because I, I don't see many local bands hustle quite as much as he does.
2: I don't see anyone hustle quite as hard as George does. Um, I swear he has more hours in the day than the rest of us do. (laughs)
0: Something about him. He has a new comic book, a new punk rock comic book we should plug. Oh, the uh, coloring book, yes. Or coloring book, excuse me.
2: It's uh, the punk rock activity book. It's called Disorder. It's available on the Poison Hearts web store. And (laughs) it's actually a great stocking stuffer uh, for the 70s, 80s punk rock fan in your life. There, that's for George.
0: (laughs) I have one of his previous uh, coloring books that's, Pretty offensive.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, this one has no dicks in it. (laughs) No
0: dicks in it. Good to know. (laughs) Damn I'm Uh, out.
2: There's a Gigi Allen page and there's no dicks in it. (laughs) No dicks,
0: yeah. Because the cover of the one I have has uh Putin being mounted by Donald Trump, I think. Is it is that it? Uh sounds about right, yes. Yeah, okay. Well when's the next uh Poison Hearts Action Club show happening?
2: Uh I wish that I could say sooner, but we've got one on the books tower bar in March <laughs>
0: oh well we'll get you going something else yeah here sooner than later for sure believe me believe me I got some spots for you guys you guys are always good to me and thanks for picking this movie a film I saw in 1986 but I had no friggin clue there was a whole another ending and to be honest I've never seen the stage production so when did you learn all this Graham
1: I saw the movie in the, in the theater when it came out, I was a Steve Martin freak.
0: Well, yeah, me too. So
1: that's what led me in. Like I had wild and crazy guy on vinyl when I was a kid and I would just obsess over it and listen to it all the time. We are brothers from another mother. It's just weird. So when he, anytime he had a movie coming out, I was in and, and when I saw what it was about and that it was a, you know, a plant that would eat humans and Steve Martin's in it, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to this. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then once I got there, I just thought it was terrific. And in the '90s, we'd play it in the store a lot, like in the video store. Like the ladies, especially on my crew, when did this whole
0: other ending become available?
1: That we were. It was more in the 2000s. They had shot that ending originally, and they spent a lot of time and money on it, and uh, it just wasn't available. The test audiences hated it. Um, They put it out. It was the. It was true to the musical, though. Right. That's the thing. So for people that don't know that you've seen Little Shop of Horrors and you've seen the happy ending with Seymour and uh, Audrey. But And there's kind of the little wink and nod there at the end. The camera kind of closes up on a little little Autry 2 plant sitting right. there in their garden. And, you know, that's a little cuter ending. At least they live in that ending. Yes. But if it stays true to the musical, then they both died. And that ending was filmed, and they spent a lot of money and time on that thing. And they tried it out for the test audiences, and they hated it. They they, they couldn't stand seeing those two die at the end.
0: So, Tatiana, did you know there was an alternate ending to this film?
1: or
2: I knew that the... So until I started, like, really, like, looking at it, like, I'm going to have to talk about this for an hour, I knew that the stage play was differently ending than the movie itself. Sure. I figured it was just Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. And then when I went to go look at, like, versions I could watch of this, I saw that and I went, oh, that's why. But um, I would argue that in the stage play, you just don't like the characters quite as much. Like, you just don't... um.
0: It's not Rick Moranis, Mr. Love. It Lovable. doesn't.
2: I mean, it hurts when they when they're fed to the plant, but uh, it doesn't feel as heartbreaking as the idea of sweet little Rick Moranis not being not being alive anymore.
1: Well, there was the distance thing. If you're sitting in a seat in a theater watching it on a stage, they they do a curtain call. So if you see them killed on stage or something like that, even something like Hamilton or whatever, you still get to see them come out and do the curtain call in the end as an audience member right and when you're on home or watching it on a screen like a movie theater you're getting close-ups the whole time you're seeing the action and the actors up closer and it just draws you in you're more of a you know that's what frank oz said in one of the yeah. little documentary and, well, geffen, I and I geffen, david geffen was the producer and he told them at the beginning he, he he was the producer of the original musical too and he told them this translation to film you're not going to work with that ending they're not going to like it you're going they're going to get invested and Alan Green and Rick Moranis, and they're not going to want to see them die. So
0: I'm imagining a lot of people have not seen this alternative. No, uh, I doubt they have. By any means, and it's a full 20 minutes, Yep. and it's rather significant. For one, obviously, our two heroes uh, die at the end. But then the whole B-movie ending, which you're talking about, and this man that spent uh, hours of his life to develop and create – Uh, and then they didn't use it.
1: (laughs) Oh, Richard Conway (laughs) was one of the lead special effects guys. And he spent so much time on that final sequence. It's so good. They did not use it. And that poor guy, Frank Oz had to call him and tell him that we're not going to use your work because the audiences hated the bummer ending. Like
0: how much stuff is out there. Do you think like that? You know, I mean, you hear about it all the time. They still do it where they have to do reshoots.
1: Right. Have you heard of any other films that. Oh, it happens all the time. Yeah
2: left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. It's like it's like the Hollywood heartbreak. Yeah. I mean, there's... that happens
1: all the time with test audiences. If they don't like something, you have to change it. Yeah. Like they're the ones that you're making the money you know from. So they're I mean, the ultimate judge.
2: I would also argue that like in the stage play I mean going back to to Greek tragedy and the idea of catharsis the audience can experience and work through something when they watch these characters and they develop they watch them develop on stage live watch them you know feel all these feelings go through these big emotions die even and then the audience goes through that with them and then they come back and they are still alive so you've kind of safely experienced this um sort of emotional roller coaster and come out okay in the end whereas in a movie you're just inside of it and almost too much a part of it sure so
1: so the difference is there's that point where uh audrey too's really large and she tells or he well audrey they tell rick <laughs> to go get them food and <laughs> And Audrey 2 picks up the phone uh-huh. and gets out a quarter or yes. a dime out of the register, which they said took like 40 takes to get that right. God, it looks phenomenal. I know. And then he <laughs> drops the money in the in the pay phone and gives Audrey a call and you know, basically orders some takeout. So that's what he does. He orders some Audrey takeout. So Audrey comes over and that's when Audrey gets picked up and munched on. So that right there is the moment where it all changes because in the normal version that everyone knows – Rick Moranis runs in and sees what's happening, pulls her out of the mouth and saves her. Yes. And then he goes back in and confronts Audrey too and eventually electrocutes him. Yeah, because Audrey's pulled the building down. Yeah. And so there's that and exposed so cable. That's and- the ending everyone knows. Sure. But in the other ending, Audrey gets fatally wounded when she gets munched on. So he does pull her out of the mouth, but she's mortally wounded. And he drags her out to the alley and she sings another little, you know. She does a little version of Suddenly Seymour again as she's dying. And then he goes back in to confront it, and he loses. <laughs> and he gets also... Well, he actually tries to go kill himself first. Well, he feeds Audrey. He feeds Audrey, yeah. He picks first. up her dead body and goes and feeds it And then it he to, gets caught and gets fed. He Well, he actually tries to commit suicide before that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He tries to jump off a building because he feels so terrible. Yeah. And then the, the plant salesman. guy yeah. shows up. Paul Dooley is that guy in that one. And he shows up with a little Audrey, too, that he says, I clipped off your plant. I'm like, dude, I'd be suing your balls off right about now. <laughs> but he's telling him of his plan that, hey, we're going to roll these out across the nation. And at that point, he knows, oh, my God, like this is, you know, this is like the ring. Like if this tape gets out, everybody dies. Mm-hmm. So he knows if this plant gets out, everyone dies. So I got to stop this. So he goes back to I can't kill myself. So he goes back to confront Audrey, Two and he gets eaten. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the shit that people couldn't deal with and yeah. then there's this big whole New York destruction piece where these giant Audrey's are rampaging through the streets and eating people and blowing smoke stacks like cigarettes and War of the Worlds type stuff and they man. climb up on the Statue of Liberty and it says the end with a question mark and that's how it ends and you know that was the ending that they first rolled out because it's truest to the musical they didn't yeah. like it audiences yeah. didn't like it and You know, I think it's pretty fun. Like, I think it's a fun ending, but I understand why they had to change it.
0: I mean, they were kind of inspired by something like Rocky Horror Picture Show originally with this musical, right? Maybe
1: it wasn't long after it. I mean, same era. And with that
0: ending, which is much more like, you know, weird and science fiction. And, you know, we end up with a nice little bow, just like America wants in American cinema, you know, they want all, all, it to be a tidy little
1: ending nice with a little, little bow on top. And yeah, that's what they get. They get the green lawn. They get them, you know, Seymour and Audrey going into their home. And that's yeah. kind of how it ends. And But we want films with deeper meaning.
2: I want to feel <laughs> yucky afterwards. I want it to hurt. Uh,
0: but yeah, Rick Moranis is pretty lovable. It's pretty, pretty sad. And I don't want
1: to see him get eaten. <laughs> and that's what it was. Ellen Green and, and Rick were just so, you know... We were invested by the end of the film. We didn't want to see them die. It's just like, that it's so sweet. They're
0: such sweet, sweet characters. If they had any... I mean, he is feeding people to a to a giant
1: plant, so he is kind <laughs> of yeah. a dick. Well, uh, hold on. But, hold on. So let's get into this. <laughs> so, Tatiana, do you think of Seymour as a criminal at all in this case?
2: So... On paper, I real I do. On paper, uh-huh. I think that he found a way to get ahead, and that way is murder. <laughs> and um, so so, yeah. But then you just he plays the part in a way that you 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 feel like you're on this murderer's side. <laughs> but no, the character is is not necessarily all good guy.
1: Well, <laughs> it's dicey. I mean, because so he goes to kill Steve Martin, the dentist. He has a gun with him, but he doesn't shoot him. Steve Martin has on his gas mask, and he overdoses. Yes. Now, he does take the body back to the shop and chop it up, which is a bit weird, yeah. <laughs> to say the least.
0: <laughs> when he can certainly devour a whole human being without it being chopped up. Sure. So you're saying he chopped
1: it up for Oh, fun. like he
2: likes the... brutal, like the.
0: <laughs> well...
2: Didn't
1: maybe to me, that's asked. the one real black mark, because he didn't actually kill him. The guy overdosed. Yeah. And then, secondly, it's Mushnick that owns the floral shop. And
2: Mushnick's kind of an asshole. Mushnick's <laughs> got
1: a gun on him at that moment, telling him to leave town. And I'm going to take this plant and make myself famous when Mushnick gets chomped. Yeah. Is that really Seymour's fault? I mean... I don't know. I don't know. He fed the dentist to him. Come on. How many people does he need to murder? He fed him an overdosed dead body. I know,
2: but he was standing there watching someone overdose. Uh,
1: (laughs) That's true. That was a bit Breaking Bad. Walter White stood over Kristen Ritter and watched her suffocate. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. I, I was a little bit iffy on whether he's a criminal or not. In the other ones that's kind of more like, yeah, he totally is. Like, I mean in the in the original Little Shop of Horrors, the Roger Corman produced one, he actually stabs the dentist with a scalpel. They get in a scalpel standoff (laughs) and he stabs the dentist. So in the original one, he's very much a bad guy, I mean, in that regard. He does kill the dentist in that one. But I think they wanted to make Rick Moranis more lovable, and that's why they had Steve Martin overdose. So
2: the
0: hero. Honey, I shrunk the kids out at this point, and that comes no, later, right? That's later. <laughs> God, I love Ghostbusters. is out at this point. Yeah.
1: And Strange Brew.
0: Yeah, Strange Brew. Yeah. That's why I loved him so much. Mm.
1: Rick Moranis is wonderful. Somebody's got to do Strange Brew. He's really funny, too. You know, his case because he left Hollywood. You know, we were talking about how we, had, before the show, we admired him so much because he, you know, he hit a point in 91 where his wife got cancer and passed away. And, He was supposed to be in City Slickers at that time, and he passed it up. Said, "I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay with my wife." And and she passed, and they had a couple of kids. And and uh, you know, he did a few movies through the mid '90s, and then there was just Flintstones and a few others. And there was just a point where he was like, "I don't need this. I've got kids." He left, sure, and he just left. But he's he's only—he's recently came back in the last few years. But that's pretty. Is there a new Honey I Shrunk the Kids film coming out? Did I read that somewhere? There was, yeah. I think there was a new one. I don't know if it's out yet or not, but. Exciting news in films. <laughs>
2: Breaking news. A new honey. <laughs> I shrunk the kids. Barbie
1: know. will be on Mac starting
0: December 15th. <laughs> I can watch it as much. I didn't buy the deep oh, I have Blu-ray like he you, did. You best believe I've got that Blu-ray. I, think
2: I don't own a single Blu-ray. That might be the first one that I buy. It's got a bunch, got a bunch
0: of good extras. <laughs> did but you and Ariel go see
2: that? I went to see the Barbie movie for my birthday, yeah, I brought like ten people. We yeah. got a, we took a row at the, the Claremont Square movie theater because, uh-huh. like, you know, it's really cheap. Yeah, and um, and I just sat there enthralled and enraptured the entire time. I just, I don't know, I won't go down the Barbie rabbit hole, but I loved it.
1: Nice, that's that good. Brilliant. to know. we did a special episode on it. We loved it so much.
2: <laughs> what
0: are up. what are some of your notes you have here? I, I noticed you have you some what? notes. What are things I've that you want right to discuss?
2: I've got one right here, Ari insisted that i bring this up um so the original little shop the the non-musical one uh jack nicholson right was the patient Mm -hmm. in this little shop bill murray (laughs) plays the patient and the tools that are used to operate on bill murray end up being jack nicholson's joker tools two years later
1: what? <laughs> right? I love it. Like, like oh, I'm, wow. so, so, like, the sa- if
2: you look at photos of the dental instruments, mm-hmm. they're the same instruments that are used on the Joker. It was just the same soundstage or something. So, Ari the Batman guy wanted me to say yep. that.
0: Was that Pinewood Studios? Yeah, they that's sure. in, yes. in London. Yeah. That is,
1: that is pretty cool. Interesting tidbit anyway. there. Get the Tridia. Batman time. Yeah. yeah.
2: But I, don't, I chose this movie because I knew I wanted to do something... I knew I wanted to do a movie musical um, and I wanted to do something that had like an elevated sense of mm, art direction or like a cartoonish quality. Something sort of over the top beyond reality, because I find that like the films that I get most excited by have a like a world that is brighter, more vibrant, more, mm, more cartoonish, more colorful than our own and sort of the absurdity within that. Really reveals something sincere. <laughs> oh.
1: The uh the, yeah, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> so I met. I asked you before the show if you had done this as a stage production.
2: I uh, I was thinking about it this whole time. I did in eighth grade. Okay. But um
1: Which character did you play?
2: I played Ronette. Okay. Little White Girl. We did it yeah. at the Jewish Community Center up in La Jolla. Nice. Um
0: been to a rave in I that got, building. Back in uh, the '90s Really? <laughs> yeah I don't think they knew what they were booking in their space.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Questions. <laughs>
0: so
2: you were in the chorus.: Yes, the Greek chorus.: Yeah.
1: Let's talk about those girls because uh, they're incredibly essential to the story. Frank Oz is and if you watch his directors cut, he's in love with them. Like he's like these girls are he, he points out constantly throughout that commentary about how important they are. Cause they're like driving the story. They're always around. They're always somewhere near. They're kind of magical. Cause yeah. you know, like when they're walking through the rain, the, the rain isn't touching them. Like, but they're always just there, you know? Yeah. Whether and, uh, they're all dolled up like Ronettes or, or they're just in their street clothes. street clothes. Yeah. But that's uh Ronette is Michelle weeks. That's the one you played. And then we've got our Martin girls. We've yeah. got Pam and Gina. We've got Tisha Campbell and Tashina Arnold. Is that one of the first things? Maybe big screen stuff. They probably sure. Did. And it was six six years before Martin. So that's that kind of cool. The like eighty
0: six. Yeah, they were kids. And I, what, they're what outstanding. are the, Are they on sitcoms now? Still to this day. Probably something.
1: Yeah. Probably, but they're just terrific. There, it's just they really are great. I my favorite one. I think is some fun now. I like when they have the steel drums going and they're dancing on the I roof. I love a steel one. drum. It's <laughs> so good. I do need to see the
0: musical now that, that that ends completely differently without a happy ending. I'm encouraged to to go see that on a right. a well, run.
2: It's I would say that 20 minutes of Godzilla-style uh, destruction is more entertaining in the film than it could ever be on stage. On stage yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say ever. Like, Who knows what kind of budget somebody somewhere will get one day, but <laughs> all, all things considered... Um, I do, I like the girls, how they function as, as like a storytelling device, as a, as the Greek chorus, as it were, because they're not, they're like inside of the, the world, the environment of the story, but they offer sort of a, someone for the audience to like look to, to give, to know how to feel about how it's playing out. Um, I watch it, I watch things with the subtitles on because I prefer it that way, but, um, their some of their lyrics, even in their do, in their shadows and their doo-wops,
1: mm-hmm.
2: are just clever and interesting. Absolutely, um, which is obviously like some Alan Menken's writing. the dadu
1: song when when he goes to find he's telling him how he found Audrey too. Yeah, and they're doing the, their their doo-ops, and then in between they're dropping those little things, and you know they hear the part where they go, Audrey too. Like they drop one of those in there. They're dropping all these cute little, they even say the Chinese guy's name or the Japanese guy's name at one point <laughs> in between a couple of the doo Like, But yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's being very clever. Howard Ashman and Alan Menken were the guys that did the music and wrote it. And are those girls actually singing? Oh, yeah. That's them? That's definitely. Uh, you know, I, I'm not familiar with Michelle Weeks, but definitely Tisha Campbell and Tishina Arnold I know are singing because I know their voices. Let's do a quick one on Howard Ashman, our guy who wrote the lyrics and he's our chief lyricist here. He, uh, he wrote this thing and he wrote the songs. Um, he is the guy responsible for people who don't know. He is the guy that gets all the credit for the Disney Renaissance. Um, he wrote the little mermaid Mm. and he wrote beauty and the beast and he did, uh, some of Aladdin. And then he sadly at the age of 40 in 1991 passed away from HIV AIDS complications. Mm. And, uh, when he passed, uh, he he had finished Beauty and the Beast, and it had just came, was getting ready to come out. And there's a dedication to him at the end of it that says, uh, "To the man who gave a mermaid her voice and the beast his soul." And it's mm. so sweet. I mean, Aww. he was gone way too soon. Like, but he did this musical. He wrote all the lyrics. He he's fantastic.
2: <laughs> I if you look at the song somewhere that screen, yeah, um, and the function that it plays within little shop as story as a whole and then you look at um part of your world in little mermaid and how it's how it it functions as a, as the I want song like what does what does this this character what do they dream of what do they yearn for and it if you look at it, listen to those two songs like next to each other it's the parallels are so sure. wonderful and you can tell that one was almost a mm, that somewhere that's green was a cousin of the shadow of the idea that became part of your world. And sure. um, I don't know what I, think, I consider the most like beautiful Disney days. I love those. I, I love all I see those. a
1: parallel between Some Fun Now with the steel drums <gasps> and Under the yes! Sea with the steel drums. Yeah. Because it, it automatically makes both of those songs very fun when, you, when the steel drums come in. Like
0: <laughs> Surprisingly, one of my favorite rides at these uh, Disney California Adventures is The Little Mermaid because of really? that scene, that song, the big ocean scene, and they're singing that song. It's a good one.
1: Yeah, he plus brought, uh, the like incredible
0: me. Mr. Limpet is hidden in <laughs> in the back. It's like really, there's a there's an incredible Mr. Limpet that you can spot on the uh, Little Mermaid ride at Disney California Adventure. Yeah, true story.
2: Okay. There you go. When we when I do my band trip to Disneyland, which we keep kicking down need, the road. Yeah, we'll, I'll, yeah. Go, I'll go with you. Yeah, you you can just come and I'll point out all the, the all the hidden you. Mickey's and all the secret <laughs> trivia. I've watched Tinkerbell fly into mattresses before. That's like the one like D- Disney Insider thing that I've done where you go stand in one corner that's like behind a restaurant during the fire during the fireworks and then Tinkerbell flies across. And if you look at the like the wrong direction towards this this doorway, just like that plane, you can watch as the performer on the high wire slides in on the wire into some mattresses right in the doorway.
0: <laughs> Hilarious.
2: Yeah, I think it's fun.
0: I think I know where you're talking about. Yeah. I've never experienced that myself.
2: Um,
0: when did you first see the film? Was it? Uh, I mean, you just had a VHS copy. Somebody uh, did you yeah. rent it at Blockbuster? I Mom probably rented it at
2: Blockbuster. Blockbuster. We did a lot of Blockbuster. Um, I wasn't born when this movie came out. Full disclosure. You, you
0: explained that to me earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
2: I don't know if I was <laughs> supposed to choose one from like my no. my lifetime. Nope. It Doesn't but, matter. Uh, that. Oops. Whatever
0: inspired you.
2: <laughs> my bad. But um, but no, this one, I watched it a lot of times. And honestly, I thought, uh, I've seen it enough times. I'll just put it on in the background while I'm doing something else to rewatch it, to brush up for this, for it to come here yeah. with you guys. But I was immediately, once again, enthralled. It It's really an entertaining movie. I see why I've seen it so many times.
0: I mean, I hadn't seen it probably since, obviously, theaters. But <sighs> to find out that basically there's a whole... Different ending that I got to go watch as well this morning, today, after watching the film, uh, the theatrical (laughs) version last night. But yeah, catchy songs. uh, I'm sure. I wonder how the soundtrack did for that.
1: Oh, it probably did pretty well. I mean, they did get an Oscar nomination for Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, which wasn't (laughs) part of the stage production. They wrote that for the movie. That one and Some Fun Now are written for the film. So it was kind of weird that they brought this musical to film from the stage. And the one that gets a nomination was the new song. But I thought I would have thought suddenly Seymour might have got nominated. You would think. But the big, you know, weepy number. But, you know, whatever. And best visual effects. It also got, you know, obviously nominated for that. So let's talk about Frank Oz for a little bit, because this movie doesn't happen. This movie doesn't look the way it is unless it's Frank Oz. I mean, he's exactly the right guy. Sure. I mean, his parents were puppeteers. He was born into puppetry. Like, yeah. I mean, this is the perfect guy. I mean, our introduction to him is the Muppets. I mean,
0: that's yep. how I first discovered he on Frank Sesame Oz. Sesame Street and, and the Muppets. And then, obviously, being Yoda
1: <laughs> was kind of a big thing. And yep. then um, you George get this. Lucas wanted Jim Henson to do the voice of Yoda. And Jim Henson said, I'm too busy. I got other stuff going on, but you should talk to Frank Oz. So, Frank Oz is Yoda now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that simple. But uh he, you know, Frank Oz does Miss Piggy, he does Fozzie Bear, he does Animal, Sam the Eagle, Burt Grover, and Cookie Monster from Sesame Street. I mean, this guy He should get a medal just for those doing those voices. I mean, but and then he then he's just this killer director. He you know, he did What About Bob and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and and Little Shop of Horrors. I mean, he 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 did these really fun films too. Just- I love What About Bob. <laughs> Yeah, he's just a lot of fun. I, I love the guy. He and he was just always everywhere. Anything with the Muppets, he did all the Muppet movies. I mean, yeah. he's just a fucking but terrific. Talk about guy. the
0: puppeteering on this is just ridiculous. Yeah. How they create this this beast of a plant and well,
2: not just one puppet, but it had to grow and morph and move and the actors had to interact with it appropriately depending on its size. I don't I was I was really stoked to do something that had practical effects and real, like like actual puppets, not nothing superimposed after the fact because it there's such a human element to it. There um, is
0: one element of animation in it, and that's that little bird. <laughs> like yeah. one scene.
1: Technically. Well also when he gets electrocuted, yeah, there's at the like end. a like, oh, there's yeah. a
2: right. <laughs>
1: but there are very few. There's yeah. only two or three and I guess when he when little Archie 2 first shows up on the flower. At the Chinese florist place during the eclipse. Yeah. Right. I think those are the only times that there's actual optical effects like that. The rest of the time, it's all practical. And we have stated many times how much we love the practical stuff. Yeah. It's just all that. It's analog, man. Well, he had to. So Rick Moranis had to do it at half speed anytime he was on screen with Audrey, too. The big one so he had to do his movements and everything in slow motion so, <laughs> <hard. laughs> yeah, so
2: hard yeah because it is
1: so hard and so that's sped up when you see it on the film that it's sped up and because and the plant they can't move the plant that fast right, right right so they had to so they had to have him slow downs and then they just sped up the film and <laughs> so he does most of that cuz he's the one always interacting sure. with Audrey too um audrey one does have that scene where she gets chomped on and so she Ellen Green had to also do that for that scene, go at half speed. So, but it's ingenious; these little things they figured out that they could do to make it happen. And yeah, and all the scenes
0: you don't see in the original theatrical version. I mean, that's all shot on perspective and how they create the set and miniatures. And yeah, you know, it's phenomenal how they're able to do that. And that studio is just so famous for uh-huh. shooting so many films. It's interesting what comes out of there. It has a look, you know, when it's shot in, in the UK. It seems to just have just a different feel Well, they call it
1: look. the 007 Studios because yeah. that was where a lot of the Bond movies were filmed. And and as we talked about on Aliens a few weeks back, that was where coked out James Remar fired a shotgun through the wall and yeah. right <laughs> onto the Little Shop of Horror set. So it didn't hurt anybody, but <laughs> that did take Probably place.
2: added to the authenticity of the vibe, you know? <laughs> like they're supposed to be on Skid Row. So. That's true. A method. Although it's like a. Not the Skid Row that we know as the real one that exists, but like a, a hypothetical, a, a metaphorical sp- sure. Skid Row, you know?
1: There's Skid Rows everywhere.
2: Yeah. So.
1: Well, they had to ship all that stuff over there in a few containers to make it look that way. Because huh. the trash cans and stuff like that in, in London didn't look like the, the bins. ones. They're not yeah, they didn't cans. look like what you would see in New York. And so to make it look more authentic, they had to fly over or chip over in huge containers some of the cars and trash cans and light posts and stuff like that can we talk about the dj that loved the weird and
0: unusual
1: (laughs) john candy
2: (laughs) are we gonna write
1: a love letter to john candy right now i'm up for that anytime that was so good anytime (laughs) he pops on screen i love him
2: it feels like a treat it feels like such a surprise and i don't he brings uh, the the energy and the red cheeks, sort of excite You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. like a, just a, a just an excitement to things. And the way that he play, um, he and Rick Moranis play against each other and off of each other <laughs> is that, that's that's what I found the best about that scene.
1: Yeah. Well, you could tell they'd done SCTV together because yeah. they would worked together before.
2: It's it's like crackle. It's popping and crackling between them. They they, they yeah. just and. He, he plays overbearing to Rick's meek. And it, it I don't know, when it clicks like that, it feel, it just feels good to watch. It feels like you're watching skilled skilled performers do the thing that they can do.
0: I just love a good parody of a DJ.
2: That's, <laughs> that's your part. Pretty, that's that's, your that's part. a pretty good
0: parody right there, man.
2: <laughs> get Tim in and little
0: and need. I'll just have to
1: get a wig. So Steve Martin and Bill Murray, this is the only time they've been on screen together. We're talking about two of the greatest comedians of the last half century, film comedians. And that's the only scene they have together in their career paths. That's crazy. Right, right. It's pretty terrific. I mean.
2: (laughs) What what an iconic scene to have together.
1: For sure. I love pain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's just ad-libbing too. They didn't really have lines for him. They were just like, Bill, just do your thing. And, you know we want you to just come in and be this masochist and this sadist isn't going to be able to get over on you and it's going to frustrate him. And, you know, essentially just that's the scene. But as far as words, just make up whatever you're going yeah. to make up. <laughs> so that's pretty great. And when they get to that end thing where he's shooing him out the door and Seymour's sitting there and they're going to have their confrontation and he, uh, he hits him on the chest and he, he notices that he's got one of his tools yeah. in his jacket. They ad lib that ending like 32 times to get to that. (laughs) They shot that thing 32 times, 32 different ways until they got to the ending and Bill Murray's like, okay, I'm going to put this tool in my pocket and you just find it and we'll go with that. And they did it and it worked. But it took them a while to get to that ending.
0: And that tool ended up in one of the Batman movies.
2: Yeah, don't forget. (laughs) (laughs) I think that when you take two, like, like Bill Murray and Steve Martin are just experts. They are expert comic actors. And when you give experts like that, a basic premise that is unwinnable, which is um, sadist dentist, masochist patient, it is an unwinnable scenario. So there's there, you could, they could try everything at their, every tool at their disposal to try to get the thing. And watching as an audience have that miss it and fail, 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 fail. It gets funnier and funnier and funnier. And it it's just a beautiful opportunity to just like watch people do something that they're really good at, like when it's done well. And you don't need a complex script when the when the relationship is that clear and the stakes are that clear and the conflict is that clear, you know? <laughs> but um, when I remember when I first saw this movie, when I was much younger, I... Uh, I had loved the movie Father of the Bride, <laughs> the Steve Martin one. Sure. Um, I loved it so much. I watched it over and over and over. And I, when I saw him with his black hair in Little Shop, I was mortified. I did not like it. It upset me uh, that he that he was scary and mean now. It was it was very upsetting. Fell off the damn bicycle. Yeah. The cycle. <laughs> it's just like it was her, her fault. Like, She's riding yeah. shotgun.
1: <laughs> And she fell off, obviously. And then he's yelling at her for it. You know, Frank Oz says even the bike is scared of him because you know how the bike will stop after he jumps off. Yeah. Like he does that a few times. He's like, "Yeah, even the bike knows it needs to stop." Like.
2: <laughs> and the way they have his motorcycle move, how it how it descends, or it zooms off, or it yeah. it it. it, it, it done, into there the scene. are no yeah. rules. It to crack, It
1: flew into the scene yeah, with I was Rick like, Maranis. Where the hell did that come from?
0: <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's so all very good. cartoonish and got the whole B-movie ending, which I'd suggest everybody see. I don't know, is, is how you have to
1: get the Blu-ray to see that? Yeah, I think it's only on there.
2: A very low quality one's on YouTube, but yeah. um, I wouldn't suggest casting it to your big screen because it will be <laughs> all pixels. Uh,
0: yeah, that was super fun to watch, that whole, 20, it's a 20 minute different ending.
1: Yeah. So the only one that came over from the stage was Ellen Green. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. What are your thoughts on Ellen Green?
2: I think Ellen Green was gorgeous, perfect, and and really brilliant in this. But they wanted Cyndi Lauper to do it, which yeah. is so interesting. I'm a huge, huge, huge Cyndi Lauper fan. I love Cyndi. And... That would have been really incredible. It hmm.
1: would have been pretty fun. I'd like to watch that.
2: Although watching a name like a like she was so famous at that time, yeah. that perhaps that would have changed it. It yeah. made it a little less sweet and quiet of a of a love story inside of the big funny. Frank thing, Oz you know?
1: mentioned that Barbara Streisand was possibly in the running. <laughs> no fucking way, man. That would have been horrible. Yeah,
2: what an a strange um, energetic shift oh, that would have caused. That would have been
1: bad. <laughs> and they're also mentioned that Geffen was friends with Spielberg and Scorsese. So there was a point in the pre-production where he was trying to line up Spielberg as the producer and Scorsese as the director. Now, how crazy would that have been? <laughs> that would have been a totally different, that would have been like a Mean Streets version. Yeah.
2: I do wonder what the plant would have looked like in that one. um, Because Andre too is Kind of yes, big, scary, very mean, but but cute and like aesthetically, kind of like, um, I don't. It just has like a yeah, it's adorable in a way.
1: Well, that's what makes it so sinister when they're talking about. Sending out all the little Audrey's all over the country, the little duplicates, and you can buy them at your local shop. Yeah, because yeah. those little tiny Audrey's are fucking adorable. Yes, like and then, then when it smiles at him yeah, and its yeah, little yeah. side lips curl up, it got the Who, cutest little lips. Yeah, it's got the cutest lips. Who would not want that plant in your house? <laughs> and, then, you, and then once they just it, feed them cows? Does it have well, to be people? Then it starts demanding blood, and your life is hell. I yeah. Mean,
0: <laughs>
2: I, I think anything with like a taste for blood is a little dangerous to have on hand, but. Especially
0: when those roots begin to
1: escape out of their pot and they are now mobile. So here's, a, here's a magical question. I, magical. I, yeah. How do they have the ability to affect your life's fortunes? I was wondering about this last night when I was watching it, because you know his life starts getting better. You know, once Seymour starts feeding him people, his life gets better. He gets the girl he wants. He gets his. He starts getting money. He starts getting offers for TV shows. His life changes for the better. I mean, it's sort of, but they have these abilities to make your dreams come true. How do they have that? Like it's like this outer space magic or something. Like I was wondering about that last night. Well,
0: what who whose other dreams were fulfilled by the plant? I mean, I, I thought it was just more of a Well, that's what the plant
1: pitches you is that I it's can make your dreams come true. The, plant's if you, the devil? Yeah. There's, uh-huh. there's more Audrey 2's uh-huh. out there as we've seen in that yeah, other yeah, ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people were doing the same thing that sure. Seymour was doing. They were killing their neighbors and throwing them into this plant because the plant was telling them, I'm going to get you rich. I'm going to get you famous. I'm going to do all these well, things. That's because obviously all the people were coming
0: into the store like sure. Christopher Guest.
1: What is that in the window?
0: <laughs> it's so unusual. <laughs> I never seen anything like it. I don't know. I mean, I, I, the, everybody came to Skid Row to see the damn plant. But when everybody has the plant, nobody needs to come see it, right? Everybody had the plant. But in the meanwhile, yeah. they're very quickly going to figure out that. <laughs> There's just this outer space magic going on there. I'm hungry. Well, yeah, how, how did that thing, <laughs> it was like a lightning bolt that sent it to the table of the Chinese man's store there in right. Skid Row, Because there right? was an eclipse. Yeah, yeah, the eclipse. Yeah, was the eclipse the spaceship?
2: Oh, I think the eclipse could have been the spaceship. Now,
1: I'm oh, just well, thinking. Well, was cover for sure. Maybe it just dropped him off during, <laughs> during the and darkness.
0: But, and at that point, was it just the one or was it planning world domination? So were there were there before they propagated it and made it into the So I think plant. it's just
1: the only one. Because I think if other people had it, then it wouldn't be so special. People wouldn't but be rushing say- to that shop to see it.
0: I thought they were singing like in the synopsis. they're but is that after they're already available? In I, stores? Yeah. See, I think that's that yeah.
1: ending is after they've clipped it right. and they've rolled it out to all the stores. And the, and and the story's people, starting to get and out. And then now. it's gremlins yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're <laughs> dropping water on it. You're feeding it after midnight, and it's rampaging through your town. Like, I mean, humans can't be trusted with something like that. No, they're godless killing machines at that point. Good lord.
2: Yeah, no. I, the plant—the plant's a metaphor for the devil, you know, like yeah. making a deal with the de- signing right. away your soul, something like that. But it's cuter to say it's aliens, you know.
0: It's an um, alien plant. Uh, I
2: did. I did Google whether Audrey too is a boy or a girl, and the answer is not a girl, not a boy, just an extraterrestrial.
1: That is a great 2023 answer. I love that.
2: Just an extra- <laughs> extraterrestrial
1: Yep. How do you identify? <laughs> I'm an extraterrestrial. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a few there's a couple other famous faces in there. Um jo- Jim Belushi is Patrick Martin, he's the guy that pitches them. Yeah. In there, in there, and Paul Dooley did it in the original. Uh, the guy that was Samantha Baker and Sixteen Candles Dad. Yeah. He like uh he's the original one, but when they reshot the ending, they kinda had to change that scene a little bit and he wasn't available at that oh, point. Okay. So they brought in Jim Belushi and so he's the one you see in the regular version.
0: So um, if I were to watch because I only I watched the theatrical mm-hmm. and then Went to the director's cut and just watched from that point yeah. on. but then is uh, is that is Jim that Belushi a, in it? Earlier, Jim Belushi's or? not
1: earlier, but that other guy is a little. Oops. That scenes a little bit earlier in the okay. other one, just slightly earlier. Um, but uh, and then there's Maryam Margolis, is the uh, nurse in the uh, dentist office? I don't know if you recognize Hersh. From Harry Potter movies, she was one of the professors at How can Hogwarts. How could I see? She's just constantly getting smacked by a door.
0: Door <laughs> whack at her, and
1: <laughs> she was oh. in all oh, that kind of. She was Lerman's Romeo and Juliet too. She was Juliet's oh. nurse. Oh, they was always chasing around Lost saying, "Who's oh, a yeah. nurse?" Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she was. She's she's a well-known actress. But yeah. those are kind of some of the more famous faces that are kind of oh, and Vincen Gardenia, Mr. Mushnik. No. these are all people that did are, we talk about the voice of Audrey? Uh, Levi Stubbs of the Four <laughs> Tops, genius.
0: I would love to see footage of him doing that. Yeah, in the studio. Yeah, just being the character yeah. like that because it is ridiculous. It is just so over the top and entertaining, yeah. and
1: like he was born to do it. They had a different guy on Broadway, and he's good. I mean, I've listened to the uh, the Broadway album, and he's good. But Lee, it's Levi Stubbs, man. Yeah, I mean, David Geffen's you know producing this thing, and he's like. If you can get Levi Stubbs, you get Levi Stubbs. Like, and he just he brings Jackie to life like just incredible. The adds co- that street he, element. <laughs> so the good.
2: colors that he's able to like achieve in the 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 peaks and the valleys and the like. His vo- his vocal prowess is really really incredible and it's almost c- more clear when you can't see a human being there. When you when, right. when you're watch when you're watching a puppet move very like uh, perfectly with his voice you just hear like, how many colors he can achieve with with just his vocal instrument alone it's really interesting i mean i think that part for i think any actor who is who feels defined by their voice is pro- would probably love kill whatever for that part um but i i don't think anyone can really truly top his performance
0: no no I'll have to go see it on Broadway and see what it's like. Or when they I come think to they just San did a Diego, revival. I don't know. It probably tours through every once in a while, right? Maybe Most I'll go likely. see a bunch of kids do it at the.
2: I would. That would be, a, that would be an experience.
1: <laughs> yes, it would. I have to they, get high first. They took six months to shoot this movie. That's six kind months. of a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're doing everything in slow motion. Yeah. Pupp- <laughs> Honestly, it's that was 3 months when the puppet is having to be operated by 15 to 30 people yeah. and at half speed, that's going to take you weeks. Sure. The scene where they do Mean Green Mother from Outer Space with Rick and, and the plant, that took 6 weeks to shoot that one scene. Nuts. That's how painstaking that was. Drive
2: me insane. That
1: would yes. I mean, the I way the these patience. guys stuck with it. Steve it just looks so
0: good. It looks so natural. The plant is so believable. You really get caught up in it, and it's not like you're not like you're looking at a puppet at all. I mean, right. it's completely different than looking at a Miss Piggy or a Fozzie Bear.
1: I mean, it looks somewhat. There's so many more moving parts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but Steve Martin's there for six weeks, and he doesn't seem like he's in the movie that much.
2: No, it seems like he's weeks. got like an insular role that that yeah. he could like you know. Like they just pop
1: time? in. It's like Bill Murray, probably. You know, yeah. You feel like they just came in for a week. And but they said he was a perfectionist, and he was terrific on the set, and he really knew what he was doing. Just a comic genius, which we all know he is. But still, weird to think he used to work at the magic shop at
0: Disneyland. <laughs> Steve <laughs> really? Martin did. Yeah, they still. Have oh. a fo- they have a photo of him in the, in the in the store, and he used to do magic there. Oh. But that's his start.
2: I bet he was. He's the only person I would watch to do close up magic. I bet. <laughs> I've been enough, around enough magicians in my life that, nah, he's the only magic I'll, I'll sit for is if he does it for me personally at this point.
0: Why have you been around a lot that's of magicians? Oh,
2: not. I don't, you know what? I... Um, you look
0: like you could be a magician's assistant, possibly.
2: Oh, is that a compliment?
1: Have you been sawed in half? Yeah, it is. It <laughs> have is. You I been hope you take it half. that way.
2: <laughs> no, I've been, I, I was in the theater professionally for about a decade and I. That world intersects in interesting ways with circus people and with magicians <laughs> and with it, it, it's just it's um, you know, it's a it's a vaudeville type overlap there. So yeah, I've been to the Magic Castle a lot. Oh, I've cool. seen a lot I gonna, of magic. I was gonna ask
0: if you've been to the Magic Castle.
2: Yeah. Can
0: you get us in? <laughs> you have to be invited, right? You do have to work? be
2: yeah, you gotta know someone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hardest spot to get into in LA, but So
0: you've dated some magicians?
2: Uh, let's uh, one
0: one okay that's all all you need
2: yeah one is (laughs) enough trust
0: (laughs) and his name is no um
2: you said you can bleep stuff out of here right
0: yeah we're not we're not here to talk bad about anybody or anything
2: i don't have anything bad to say about any magician's Specifically and individually, it's about magic as, as a, a whole. whole. They are trying to con you. They're trying to pull one over on you. They're trying to trick you. It's like, here, here's a fun idea of entertainment. You were wrong. You thought something was going to happen, and now something else happened. Ha 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 ha! I feel insulted by that as an audience member. That doesn't make me feel smart. That doesn't make me feel important. That just makes me feel duped. That's why I don't like you got magic. hustled. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Like this swindles. Like America
0: is. By no, well, I don't want to get into that.
2: <laughs> well, here we go.
0: It's not. We're not about politics here.
2: Should we take a hard turn? <laughs> yeah,
0: but yes, 1986, Little Shop of Horrors, a great film,
1: a fun film. See I both versions. Song. I got to get a song out of you before we before we get out of here. What's up? Yeah. What's favorite song. Oh, in- there are so many oh. good songs in this movie.
2: I was. I'm really struck. curious what yours is. Okay. Um. Um. <laughs> No, not grow for me. No, somewhere that's green. No, too obvious. Suddenly Seymour, way too obvious. Let's see. The Meek Shall Inherit, which is what with this their, their closing one. I like the little bow that puts it all in, but some fun. Now you keep bringing it up and yeah. you're not wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I had a steel drum when I was a little kid that my, eventually my parents took and put on the top level of my closet so that I couldn't reach it because I was playing the steel drum that they bought me. And um but yes, the steel drums in that song, the the girl group, what are they I, I don't know what they call them. The It's not the Ronettes. It's not no, the it's, crystals. It's not the angels. It's,
1: yeah, it's Crystal Chiffon and Ronette are the go. three girls. And they're all based after fifties doo wop groups. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so, they were named that. But the they as a group were not named. In, no. They're not okay. There's kind of the chorus. Yeah. Like.
2: But every song that they do, those those Tight do-op harmonies yeah. and just the storytelling in it. Yeah, that one.
1: I like their songs. Yeah. I like when Seymour uh, and, and uh, Audrey are having their first song together and he's like, you know, this guy sure looks like plant food to me. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, need, you know, I need blood and you need blood. They're singing that back and forth to each other. I think that is terrific. Yeah, that's, that's where anything Rick shines. The plant. <laughs> anything with that plant. Now, the powerhouse voice is Ellen. She's. Whew, I love watching her sing. But she oh, cuts Lord. loose and lets those pipes go. She yeah. has got a voice, like very, just very Broadway. It just feels like yeah.
0: you, you imagine her being on the stage. And she
1: came over from the stage production. And she had a little Hollywood career after that. I think some of us pump up the volume fans remember her as Christian Slater's teacher. Okay. In that film, that <laughs> I'll he, have to rewatch that. <laughs> no, she is. She's the hip teacher that actually uh, okay. kind of likes him, and you know, takes a shine to him. But that's her. She's in that. Wow.
0: Good times. Thanks for making me rewatch it and making me learn something new about a film uh, that I hadn't seen in decades and found out there's a whole new ending, which was really fun to watch. Yeah.
2: It was this and, or Troop Beverly Hills. So I, th- I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I figured having Beverly two Hills. adult men watch Troop Beverly Hills was like not something we for a are, Tuesday. We are
1: here for Shelley Long. <laughs> <laughs> so we grew up on Cheers. We're here for <sighs> Shelley Long. Such Shelley, a delight.
0: Shelley. Shoot yeah, else.
1: that would have been an assignment i mean i like that honestly this is a better <laughs> this is a better movie but that would have tested us
0: <laughs> well this is great because it ha there's such an interesting story and we've hopefully you know piqued your interest to uh about, about the film if you've never seen it but also now to try to search out the, the alternate ending which is is dark and fun too though mm. you know it's 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 a it's an interesting film and um it's always funny though when they have to for American audiences, have it all wrapped up in a nice little package.
1: And, and we need to see the stage, it, it stage play. It ruins the
0: art. Yeah. Hey, mandate? <laughs> at some point. So talking about Poison Hearts AC, you guys played here at the beginning of the month with the Millionaires and uh, 12-Gauge Trixie. But you said uh, the only show on the books right now is uh, in March of next year.
2: Yes. We are playing with The Last Gang and Toxins and War Fever in March at Tower Bar. That is on the books Confirm. Is the last
0: gang from Orange County,
2: I believe? I don't know where I they're found, from. I just know that they're good. That's okay. I think,
0: I think I'm think i going to play a Christmas song on my radio show from the lead singer. I think her name is Brenna Red. Mm-hmm. Is that her? I don't know or if that's know. her last name, You're but I know her first name is Brenna. Oh, there you go. I that, think we're that's, there. That's yeah. it. Okay, we're on the same page. That's I beautiful. told you I'm
2: really bad with proper nouns. so. That,
0: that's all right. <laughs> um, but hey, we also have some great shows coming up at the Casbah before the end of the month. Silent Comedy, Dead Feather Moon. On the 27th, Thursday, 28th, Black Lips. Friday, 29th, the Schizophrenic Soul Review. The following night, Creepy Creep Schizophrenics and Sands. And uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve Gothic Ball. Uh, where would people find Poison Hearts AC online? I know. Um, do you have a just an Instagram? Or where would you like to direct people to check out your band if they're not familiar?
2: You can find us on Instagram as Poison Hearts underscore AC. We, um, you can also just search Poison Hearts AC on Google. That'll bring you to our website. We have free so- free music for download on our website. We've also got our merch store. What is most exciting, in my opinion, about our merch store is the Toothless George coloring books. I mean, He's going to be <laughs> like, why did you talk about my coloring books so much? And I'm going to say, because I actually think that they're quite brilliant. In this day and age... Um, yeah, an adult coloring book is nothing new, but uh these ones are like hand designed and these ones are, are done completely by George, not by artificial intelligence. <laughs> and um and honestly, this new one is really good. Uh Christmas gift. Uh we have new music coming out the beginning of next year, and that's all I got.
0: Do you have a holiday song? You don't have a holiday song, do you? You should do one.
2: We should.
0: Maybe not right now but for next year
2: maybe you could get I'll one add it to the list
0: so many things they
2: said no to santa baby so we'll see i a- thought it would george would sound lovely on it
1: george you could do a krampus song make up a song about krampus we need one there isn't one there's no krampus song not that i know of okay. let's do one uh, right now <laughs> couldn't
0: be that hard <laughs> um any movies you're excited to see in the future there's Any a, new movies? Oh I my don't know. god, I
2: don't know. This is hard. Are you serious? <laughs> how many times, we, how many I, times we, have you
0: seen Barbie then?
2: Uh three.
0: Okay, good for you.
2: We saw Priscilla in the theater last week. Oh. Um What do you think?
0: Priscilla Queen of the Desert? No. 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 Uh, Priscilla <laughs> the, Presley.
2: Afterwards, oh. I was like, maybe Priscilla Queen of the Desert would have left me in a better mood. What about
0: the new one with Emma Stone? Is that one? More Things now? hasn't coming out yet. Hasn't here. Come out? Yeah.
2: Okay.
0: It's coming. It's coming. I'll be there Friday. Sounds like it is coming. She's,
1: she's naked a lot know. in it
2: <laughs> that's the word boom boom i find it awkward to watch naked movies in the theater i don't know what <laughs> it's like that seems <laughs> private
1: we grew up on porky so we're used to it i mean are you kidding me
0: Mike cunt Mike cunt your orders ready <laughs> Mike Hunt. sorry that's not very nice to be saying in front of such a proper no, my, my mom
2: rented me that movie she for <laughs> she forgot what like what the content was and so she it was like you fourth parties? grade and she was like i remember i thought this movie was funny she did the same thing with fast times at ridgemont high like <laughs> yes. she she didn't remember that there was uh, content that like wasn't cool for was elementary school or so she uh, was like oh you'll like this and i was watching it uh, parents not in the room and i was like uh, I, I don't questions. know if this is what she meant. Mom but... wants an
1: abortion clinic.
2: <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> so, um, that's how I got in trouble at a lot of birthday parties for telling the other kids, um, you know, what was up in the world.
0: Yeah, you always hit them. Uh, <laughs> did you grow
2: up here in San Diego? Yeah.
0: Your whole life? What uh, schools yes. did you go to?
2: Um, from the beginning uh let's see i went to st peter's by the sea preschool i went to i'm just i went to point loma high for a year and then i did coronado school of the arts for my last three years
0: nice yeah local girl we like supporting local girls and i'm really glad uh toothless george or just george depending on what's going on (laughs) Um, is happy to uh, get you out and, and be in a band this is the first time you've been in a band
2: uh, yes, so yeah. That's really cool. I was in the theater for 10 years and I retired because I didn't want to audition anymore because it was hard on my psyche. It yeah, was yeah. really, Um, it's just difficult to keep any sort of, I don't know, self-esteem or confidence yeah. when you're going every six weeks, best case scenario, for a new job and having them tell you, uh, gain 20 pounds lose 20 pounds you're too pretty you're too funny you're too and or, or why don't you be less this more that and I just got over it so I said no not doing any of it anymore and then when George approached me about singing for his project he had he had auditioned like 19 women and some worked out and then couldn't do it etc cetera, etc cetera. um it just clicked it made it sense it's a it's a project that made sense for me to kind of
0: you're great at it. Come to. You're like a <laughs> punk rock Betty Boop.
2: I got Betty Boop earrings I, on today. A comment, you got Betty Boop earrings <laughs> yeah. on as well.
0: Tatiana Mack, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share about your music and art or we're good?
2: Um, we're good. Just uh, come check us out. Come to a yeah. show sometime. It's a rock
0: and roll review. It, it really yeah. is a lot of fun. And uh, that most recent show, you were on fire.
2: Thank you. Yeah, well, I'm proud of what we do. We've got a cu- couple horns. We are thinking about adding a trumpet, but we'll see how that goes. And um, thank you guys for having me. This is fun. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Yeah, you were great. Mm-hmm. Thanks for everything. You have a wonderful holiday. Coming up this next week for a Christmas episode of Soundcheck Clips, we will have the incomparable Elvez. I, 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 Sitting down with us to talk about the 1959 Mexican movie classic Santa Claus versus the Devil.